Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. On today's podcast, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2. This is the adoration of Jesus. This is when the wise men come and visit Jesus and offer him gifts and they worship him. So let's begin reading this chapter, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born at Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fowled down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child, to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. And then Luke chapter 2, verse 39 says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. All right, so there's a lot here in Matthew chapter 2 in this brief little verse that kind of links this whole thing in Luke chapter 2, verse 39. The reason that's important, again, because here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast, I'm teaching a chronological order of the Gospels. So let's go back and let's look at these wise men who came from the east to visit Jesus. Now, we know Jesus was born 
in Bethlehem, the Bible tells us that. This was the history that came from Boaz and Ruth. These were the ancestors of King David. So these wise men, who we also refer to as magi, they were probably foreign dignitaries. Okay, that's what we can kind of piece together, who had great insight uh, into astrology and the sciences. So the Greek term here, wise, in Matthew 2 verse 1, uh, is translated as men of wisdom who study the stars. Now, we don't know how many magi came to visit Jesus because they gave three gifts that we see here in Scripture. Uh, We think then there were just three of them, but that may not be the case. There are a few references also to Magi of old. If you and I look back in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. So these were highly regarded individuals. These are people that were very smart and intelligent. They were very exhaustive, very explicit, very detailed in the way they approached Many of these things that were regarding, again, astrology and the sciences. So this term, though, magi, and then applying it from the east, could potentially, or more than likely, I should say, uh, reside around Persia or Arabia. Again, so they're ancient times, even way back with Daniel. So they're very accustomed to the tradition of the magi people. Now notice this verse, or this, excuse me, uh, this phrase that's used in verse 2, known as king of the Jews. Now, this was a phrase that was given to Jesus throughout his ministry. Pilate mentions this in John 18, 33. The Roman soldier refers to Jesus as king of the Jews in Matthew 27, 29. The Jews refer to Jesus as such in, in Matthew 27, verse 42. So it may sound unique to refer to a baby as the king of the Jews, but yet we know, of course, Jesus being the Messiah, he is the king of the Jews. But of course, at this time, uh, it was a it was an unusual phrase, but the Magi, again, collectively putting things together, uh, has led them to the point to where they interacted with King Herod. And now we see the star that's mentioned here in verse 2 um, as a way to guide them to find out who this King of the Jews is. Now, there are many interpretations as to what the star is. Some people refer to it as a comet. Some people have mentioned it being a supernova. Other people have tried to explain it as a planetary alignment thing. Whatever it was, ancient Jewish scholars uh, do refer to a time where this star would be used to pinpoint, if you will, the Messiah. This was known as kind of a messianic prediction. In, In Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, it says, a star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So now, Another thing that's fascinating that we do see when you go back to Exodus 40, God used some heavenly light to guide his people. We also see that Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul the Apostle, there was heavenly light that came upon him as a guide as well. So we see this star as as a heavenly light. It was some sort of supernatural manifestation that only the Magi saw. Because remember Matthew chapter 2 verse 9, Herod asked them, when did this star appear? So I don't think it was necessarily something that was, if you will, in the solar system. I think it was more of a guided substance. Uh, in Matthew 2, nine, for example, it reads this. The star that they had seen when it rose, so this Greek word rose here in verse 9, literally means it moved upward from the east. Okay, so it's almost like it started where they were and then it moved forward. Because this word went before, it literally means proceeded in front of them. And it came, it says here, to rest. 
This Greek word rest means to stand or to select over the place where the child was. So if you and I just look at the language that was used regarding the star, it can't refer to a luminous meteor or uh, some sort of supernova. Now, of course, we know that natural objects in the sky move from east to west. This was an actual object, uh, but we don't know anything beyond that. So I just think it's important when we just stick to the context of scripture and how it's used, it was almost as a guiding light that the Magi were anticipating and knew was to come. Therefore, I think they were the only ones that were aware of it at the time. Okay, now we look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We're introduced to the chief priests and the scribes. So you may be wondering, why are these people important? Well, literally here, uh, the high priest is probably a part of this dialogue between Herod and the Magi. And these chief priests could possibly even be referring to some of the former high priests who are still living. So you have here you have the brainiacs, if you will, of the law. And so when Herod was asking, hey, how can we know these things? What are the signs? What's some of the information? Notice how they refer to, math, uh, to Micah 5.2. They said that this is the prophecy where he would come. He'd be born in Bethlehem. Now, they knew that, but notice that they, were, they failed to anticipate that. They weren't looking for that. Uh, they weren't even looking to worship the Messiah like the Magi. Now, here in verses 7 through 8, we're told that that Herod says, hey, when you find out the information about the king of the Jews, I want to know about it because I too want to come and worship him, but we know that was false. Now here in verses 9 through 12, the star that, that they had seen, again, it seems here in this language that is used that the Magi were the ones that this star was given so that this heavenly object was given in the sky so that they can, so they can follow it, so they can move along and, and track where Jesus was going to be. And notice that when it did reside over the place in which Jesus was, it, they rejoiced. Now, you can imagine after all this anticipation, all this research, all this study, all these prophetic interpretations, this exhaustive and extensive journey that they took from the east, they finally arrived to worship Jesus. And the Bible says here that they saw the child. Now, the language, again, that's used here is not a baby. Despite the popular storytelling and the nativity displays, the Magi did not visit Jesus in the cave when he was born. More than likely, they arrived around the time when Jesus was about two years old. And we're told here that they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And there's a lot of symbolism here that's used about these gifts. And they were not just literal, historical gifts, but they also come with some very figurative languages that people have expounded and used throughout time. For example, one sense, yes, they're great gifts, but they also represent, uh, if you will, the wealth that would come someday that would be given to the Messiah in Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 66 verse 20 and Zephaniah 3.10 and Haggai 2, 7 through 8. Furthermore, other people believe, when you read some commentaries, that their significance um, that these about these gifts, they reflect the character, if you will, of Jesus Christ. For example, gold might represent his deity or his purity. Uh, incense, this fragrance, uh, represents his life. And myrrh uh, points to his sacrifice and his death because obviously myrrh was used for embalming. Now, these gifts were obviously the means by which Joseph took his family to Egypt. Remember when he was warned, it says here in a dream, the Lord gives the warning to the Magi as well to not return to Herod, but also 
we are told now here in verses 13 through 15 that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and tells him, warns him, don't go back, flee to Egypt. Now, Carson writes uh, in his commentary, he says, quote, Egypt was a natural place to which to flee. It was nearby. It was a well-ordered Roman province outside Herod's jurisdiction. And according to Philo, its population included about a million Jews. So this was a great location for Joseph to take his family and to protect them from the dangers of King Herod. And we're also told that this fleeing to Egypt was also uh, prophetic and it was a fulfillment according to uh, to Hosea chapter 11, uh, verse 1. Then verses 16 through 18, we hear uh, of Herod's massacre. Again, he didn't know the exact timetable. He didn't know about the whereabouts. He certainly was using the chief priests, again, to try to formulate these things. The Magi's don't return. Notice it says that he was deceived, and so he was furious. But notice he was the one that was deceiving the Magi. But again, God's in control, and he protects them. And, no, and then we're told here that they return. Joseph returns his family to Nazareth in verses 19 through 23. Now, this is what's interesting because not much is provided as to the span of time in which Joseph's family stayed in Egypt. It could have been a few months. It could have been a few years. We don't know. But it, then it refers to Archelaus, who was ruling over Judea, Samaria, and, Ed, and Edomai uh, after his father, Herod the Great. You know, he dies. But we know, according to history, that Archelaus was just as evil as his father. He was another insane dictator. And so we are then told that Joseph then moves into the district of Galilee. And we're told here in Scripture that it was, again, prophesied that the Messiah, he would be called a Nazarene. Now, why is this uh, remarkable? Well, because uh, Jesus of Nazareth, that title is a very unremarkable one. The town of, of Nazareth is a is a lowly tribe is a lowly city in the tribe of Zebulun. Uh, it was there was nothing really significant about it whatsoever, and it was definitely not a place. Uh, it was a very unlikely place for a king to come from, particularly the Messiah. We see this in Isaiah forty two one through four, Isaiah fifty three verse three, and Psalm twenty two verse six. You remember back in John one forty six when Nathaniel was told that they found the Messiah. And he's, here's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he asked the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? That was his point. Because the Jews, see, they despise the Nazarenes. Why did they despise them? Because the Nazarenes uh, were traitors. They plotted with the Romans, and they were considered immoral traitors. So Jesus, if you look back upon previous podcasts where we explored the birth of Jesus, that he was born in a cave, that he was placed in a feeding trough, that he fled to Egypt, that he was raised in Nazareth. He was from humble beginnings, but it points again to the humility that Christ did not come to serve, but to be served. And one last thing that when you look at Matthew chapter two, that's just a, a clear reminder is God's protection. You see, the Magi people studied and they anticipated the coming of the Messiah. And they came and they offered gifts and they worshiped him. And God honored that and God protected them so they didn't go back to Herod. Notice Herod was eventually, um, he eventually dies. And Joseph and Mary, who were obedient to the Lord, were given visions from the angel of the Lord to flee. And they were also protected. So God's hand was over his son. We know that. 
And it's a reminder to all of us that God is here to protect us as well. You know, Psalm 5 verse 11, I'll leave you with this verse. It says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, God, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.